basics. This is how it's supposed to be. This is old school. We're doing it today, yeah. son. Kyle and I, back in person, getting back to our roots, Woo! where we describe the episode plot in detail, don't really say anything fun about it, and then apologize for taking up your time. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. We have energy! We're in person! Oh my god, it's incredible! It is. It's a whole different dynamic, isn't it? I'm visiting from uh, Montana in Los Angeles in my, my little Airbnb where we just watched the episode together. Uh, I'm gonna Nick, tell what was it like to see your first person of color in like six to eight months? So you joke, <laughs> but I do want to say how much I appreciate going anywhere and being like, "Oh, all right, I'm the only white guy. Nice." This is like when we, uh, we got a, a tofu soup at a Korean place the other day, and I was like, "Oh, oh, thank God! I don't know what the fuck anyone is saying." I'm 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 not sure if I'm ordering the right thing. I'm just gonna. I just they offered us a picture menu, and I felt like a child, and I loved it. I miss it. I miss it so much. <laughs> that was um, good kimchi tofu soup. It was great. Yeah. All right. But that's that's not why we're here. We're here to tell you about this television series we continue to watch and try to pick apart called The Big Bang Theory. We are now on season five, episode nineteen, The Weekend Vortex. Uh, this will come out in, God, like two weeks from now, but we're recording it on New Year's Eve. And so, uh, however this may feel um, after the apocalypse tonight, uh, it, it hits differently at the moment. So, Kyle, so, do you, anything you want to get into before we get into the short summary? No, I believe now we are start. Would you like to rate this episode in advance? Yeah, you know, actually, I was... Uh, I was so just feeling it today that I was I should rate it. Ah, uh, looking back, I'm going to go 7 out of 13. Higher side of fine, I say. I mean, I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give this one a 10 out of 13. Holy shit! But I think that's mostly just relief. Just, I was, I was talking a little bit before the pie. This show has really just, I give, it's made me its bitch. It's just, I'm so, I'm like, yes, yes, daddy Chuck Lore, give me, a, give me some crummies. Some crummies for my mouth hole. Give me some little jokey wokies. Please no more. You you act like that. And I uh, and maybe it is because we've been beaten down by so many uh, terrible episodes. But I took special note every time I noticed you a giggle or a chuckle. I was like, I think Kyle's feeling this one. Kyle is not just staring stonily waiting for this experience to wash over them. He went, uh-huh. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's that? And then later on, I, I heard him say... That'd be funny. And I was like, fuck, ooh, this one is hitting all the notes. So, pretty pretty hot episode coming this week. Yes. So you want to go ahead and summarize it? Also, can I just, not to peer too far behind the curtain, I think you had started this one before we stopped hanging out, but I was shocked to see you taking serious notes. I take everything seriously, Kyle. I'm a serious person. I, I have everything that we've worked on carefully filed away and organized and notes for all of it i i mean the amount of work i put in does not at all match the output and so i'm embarrassed to admit all just, of this. it helped because i i thought you had somehow magically just gotten better at remembering what happens in the episode but now no. that i know little gerbil brain is just frantically scrambling to write commit it all to writing as it passes by that makes a lot more no, sense thanks to my uh increasing substance use if anything i remember the episodes less than ever but that's why the note taking makes up uh, for the slack so it's a perfect system flawless my life and i am healthy all right here we go 
Uh, yeah, Season 5, Episode 19, Weekend Vortex. Here's the uh, the basic plot summary. <laughs> Fellas, <laughs> lean in for a moment. <laughs> ladies, am I right? <laughs> hey, ladies, lean in for a moment. Fellas, what do you do about those, huh? That's the episode. It's uh, the, the, the boys uh, decide that they want to have a full weekend of a horny online gaming time together. They want they want to have like sleeping bags, sleepover, turn off their cell phones so their moms can't find them, uh, binge video gaming of the new Star Wars online, whatever the hell it was at the time. We suspect from context clues in the title Kyle of this suspects. Episode, I don't know enough to know. I I think this is too late in the first Star Wars uh, galaxies which was a very short window anyway. So my best guess that seems reasonable is that this is that they're excited about the release of Star Wars The Old Republic. Yeah. Which I do have to say, as an aside, still some of the best goddamn video game cutscenes ever. Like, I never played the game. The game was probably mediocre to okay. I don't remember it taking the world by storm. It's certainly not around today. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's I do something rem- that wasn't impactful enough for me to have any spite of... Committing my life to these goddamn flashing lights and sounds on on the video games. But boy, were we all hyped when those first like cutscenes of like the the Republic heavy troopers, you know, fighting the Sith lords with their double bladed lightsabers. I mean, those were a really big deal when those came out. You jagoffs! I'm just saying. Well, anyway, that sets the scene, and then not so much a plot B plot structure this time as much as a plot is. What are we going to do with our girlfriends? And then they just kind of examine how that affects. And so the primary pairing uh, for this episode, though, is uh, Amy and Sheldon. Because Amy's like, hey, you got to come to my grandma's, was it a birthday party? Like 93rd, some sort of eventful old person thing. Yeah, I think it's her 93rd birthday. Yeah, and Sheldon's like, no, I want to play video games with my friends. And so there's some squirming until he finds an excuse to finally get out of it. Uh, And that hurts Amy's feelings. She gets drunk with Penny. They come back to the gaming uh, uh, express their frustration at Sheldon. Uh, Sheldon uh, dismissively offers Amy a uh, Sheldon Cooper coupon for uh, to reserve a future hangout. She immediately takes it. Tension resolution gone. It's just, uh, well, it's it's a, I think it's actually a fun comic resolution. I will say that. But yeah, it was also uh, absolutely just deflated the the anger balloon. And so that's the primary resolution. But then also. Bernadette ends up coming over, and the other nerds are kind of annoyed. still cute as a button, and it's adorable watching her play the game. And so that actually goes fine. Uh, Bernadette, because Raj ends up throwing a hissy fit, that he's the only single person, and he just wanted to hang out with the boys this weekend, and so everyone gives in to Raj's tantrum. And uh, last, but uh, yeah, I'll say least, Penny and Leonard are like fuck buddies now, and Penny is like, yeah, go play video games with your friends. I don't give a shit. And Leonard is like, could you pretend to give a shit? And she does, and then they get horny. And so that's how that relationship is working out now. It's it's the end of the season, and I guess, I don't know, they're going to be back together, and they're going to be cool and poly or something. And that's it. Uh, everyone has their different little issues. Uh, the boys have their, their game off, and Wallowitz's mom comes and finds him at the apartment to pick him up at the end of it. Good times, ahoy. So, let us dive back in some of these things. For instance, I have a note here. Kyle laughed at Sheldon's debt move, specifically. Penny comes... Uh, uh, there's a scene where Sheldon comes over to harass Penny 
And what does he immediately offer her? He, he's brought with him a bag of gummy bears. Yeah. And she's like, oh, thank you. And he's like, well, now that you're indebted to me, let me ask you this. And uh, I didn't laugh out loud, but uh, I also support this system of... Um, actually, you know what? Uh, hey, it's we just finished Christmas time. Oh, fuck reciprocal gift giving. Oh, I hate it so much. Christmas is great. Give gifts all you want. But gifts with expectations? Ugh. Oh, the worst feeling. And to see Sheldon so uh, ruthlessly weaponize it, even even something so small as yeah, what was it, gummy bears? This yeah, uh, yeah I, I did a nice thing for you. So what's up? What's well, up? I was gonna say this whole like Sheldon is not uh, sympathetic in this episode. No, by any means. But it, there was something about this whole episode. I think one of the things I really appreciate about it in. Contradiction to last week's episode, which, as you'll recall, drove me like <laughs> to the point of despair. Uh, it was just like his problem, while not sympathetic, was like relatable and understandable and normal. Like he's being an asshole, but he's being an asshole in such a specific way that it's not hard to imagine any real person doing the exact. Like I can literally see the Reddit post. Am I the asshole for not wanting to go to my girlfriend's 93rd yeah. birthday party so I can spend all weekend playing Star Wars video games with my buddies like we haven't had a chance to do? And I feel like Reddit would point out that this person was being an asshole. But, you know, we could see it happening. It's like, that's a dude, he's so, ex- like, when they first ask, hey, do you want to stay in and do Star Wars? He's like, he, he's like, Star Wars what? Are we binging the movies? Are we playing a video game? Are we just dressing up like our favorite Star Wars characters? Or are we reading yeah. comic books? Are we reading novels? I don't care. I'm in. And he was just so cute. Like, it, it was a realistic portrayal of nerd excitement and a realistic portrayal of a nerdy problem, which is I care more about my fictional media experiences than I do about my actual commitments to relationships with other people well, that I find boring and tedious. Well, I think it was also good at examining how much Sheldon actually honors any of his own commitments in the first place because, uh, as I've mentioned multiple times on this show, I once broke up with a lady because she she tried to force me into a night of fun sex when I wanted to watch Dark City with my friends. It's almost a drinking game at this point. I want but, to institute a rule that whenever we talk about this, someone should have to take a shot. Because... But the uh, difference being here, though, that in my scenario... This was a surprise that I wasn't really excited about. Uh, in Sheldon and Amy's situation, Amy points out there are protocols. Yes. We have specific rules on how to do this, and I followed every one of them. And somehow, the rules only seem to matter when they're to your benefit. And Sheldon's yeah. like, "Well, yeah, that's that's why the rules exist." Like, yeah, no, he's being he's definitely being a toxic. At least he's being a relatable toxic boyfriend. Or what do I mean? I would much rather watch him be a toxic boyfriend in a way that I could imagine a real person being than being like a toxic boyfriend because I don't know, my fingernails are too long today and it's freaking me out, man. Yeah. That's something uh, I've been thinking about this whole trip. Matter of fact, I thought uh, just before I left for LA, or I guess for San Diego, that my uh, nails were, weren't long enough to and so I didn't worry about it. Two days later, though, I'm like, mm, slightly too long, and that was all I could think about. And my nails have, like, they're not long right now. They have no effect on anyone else. There's no reason to point them out. And yet, every interaction I have, I'm like, oh, I hope I'm not scraping someone with my filthy long cra- uh, I wish rat claws I didn't take care of. One of my Christmas gifts was, like, a precision Japanese nail cutter. What? Yeah. How precise? What? Do you plan on making, like, cool 
designs on the ends of your nails with it? Or? I was not the person who, who obviously. Well, the, someone who you know, knows you thought Christmas Kyle clips. needs extra uh, ability to to get into the little crevices there. Oh, uh, you don't know. It's it be. I mean, yes, but it could also just be a a fuck with Kyle gift. Same person also got me a copy of Pete Buttigieg's biography. How do you hate my Pete? He's so this blah. He shows up and he's like, "Dreams are the pathway upon which we walk to the future." And everyone's like, "Fuck yeah, yeah. Pete!" And by dreams, I mean very realistic dreams about you know marginal increases in GDP and not anything that's going to improve the lives of the working class. Because I can't get that through Congress. Be realistic about these things. Sorry that to anyone that CIA is sponsored psyop motherfucker. This is who we are. <laughs> Normally we hit on the red people though, so I feel like this time. You know, oh well, compared to, like I, I think the the, the the filthy corners of the internet we troll around in far right of that. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's um, right. Um, anyway, so in that same vein, just to bring it back to where we were before we got on the world's longest tangent. Yeah, the part where Sheldon shows up and gives gummy bears and is like, I only did this because is really is again him being very unsympathetic but relatable in the way that like. It's, it's more transparent, but of course, who among us has not showed up to do a favor for someone, really in the hopes that they would... Oh, not me. My intentions are always pure and honest, because I am a sweet, saintly gentleman. I have a completely unrelated question for you, though. <laughs> when is the last time, if ever, you did an all-night gaming party with the gang? Uh, I do think in high school... I mean, I didn't have even a whole gang circle of friends, but I recall... Inviting my friend over because he was also in Metal Gear Solid. And so we beat Metal Gear Like, it was just like, I wanted to power through. I don't know why it was so important to me. Uh, I think because it was like our senior year and we weren't going to get many more chances to hang out. This was your American pie. Like, yeah, we're going to take down Liquid Snake before the end of senior year. Yeah, and Metal Gear Solid 4, which is not even like the iconic one, right? But it was just like really important to me for some reason. Oh, yeah. uh, sorry, the Patriots, not Liquid Snake. I don't know. I, no, I never... he's in it too. Okay, cool. <laughs> he is the big bad sort of. And so, I mean, really, the system, the, the system is the big bad. The Illuminati man. The Liquid ah. Snake definitely works as their lapdog. Yeah. Um, A real cry check, am I right? <laughs> uh, anyway, so we, like, I recall being the only one who didn't eventually succumb to, like, the intonation of the cutscenes and fall asleep. Like, I managed to power through the whole thing. Yeah. In well, that's... 48 hours. Well, I think the guy I invited over ended up kissing my girlfriend while I was taking <laughs> a nap. I found out about that later. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's that's gaming parties for you. But no, I was like they're all so excited about it, but I don't I don't think I've done one undergrad when we had like LAN parties and the way I remember those is like everyone's excited, you get a few good hours of gaming in, uh, and then you know what happens to regular all humans when they game too long? They all get cranky and tired yeah. because you're still human, and then your all-night gaming party turns into a bunch of fucking... Whiny. So, yeah, socially maladaptive creeps getting increasingly scathing in their comebacks while you're playing Counter-Strike. Yeah, no, it, obviously it doesn't work in real life. I it's mean, awful. But it's, 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 I hated it. Like, it, it always sounded so fun, and then you get into fair, it. To be fair, like... You know, weekend-long ragers where extroverts hang out and drink and whatever probably get pretty boring after the first couple of shots. Vague, ambiguously consensual sex, whatever they do, I wasn't invited to... You know, it's... We all are... Like, part of being young is just, you know, 
destroying your body and your friends' bodies in ways that you're going to regret before the the allotted time is even up. And, you know, part of being older is being nostalgic about the... It's... I, I am nostalgic at this very moment for how quaint it is the idea that me and all my other fat, pimply friends used to lug around these huge towers, these computer towers and CRT monitors so we could plug them in all together and make sure that when we played Quake 2 that there was as little... It was so important that we had a streamlined, completely perfect Quake 2 experience that we'd be physically in the same smelly, sticky room to do that to you. Oh, oh. I think if it were me, if I could see any of them, I mean, I would definitely get tired and we would not go... I would be, like, you probably still talk me into, like, a whole week. Do you want to play, like, I know you don't. You, no. Nick, you can't see it, but Nick just immediately started nodding his head. But, you know, it's like, do you want to play 30 consecutive hours of Dungeons & Dragons? I'd be like, I'm going to regret this later, but I'm going to try to do this now. Yeah, no, when I when I got to my uh, the Airbnb I'm in now, I, I stayed with a friend for uh, two days in San Diego. And then getting back, I'm like, two whole days with somebody? Ew, who would do that? And so that is under the best of circumstances. Yeah, and the thought of uh, spending any more than, I don't know, 45 minutes with a bunch of other people going uh, into D&D times. What are we talking about? What the hell was this episode again? I don't know. I, th- I think Bernadette is cute. I call her Bernie <laughs> in my brain. So speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, there's so Bernadette's whole thing. I, it is a little uh, sexist. The word I'm looking for is sexist. The way Bernadette is portrayed in this episode, in absolutely. That, in that she she, it's cute that she wants to play the game with them, and there's no indication that she's any worse at the game than any of the others, except in her be- her conduct, which is that she she she, she likes going pew pew. And she's shooting bad guys. Well, even that is fine. It's and most... she's healing. And she's healing. Uh, howie wowies owies. Yes, it's she forces Wallowitz to equip armor that's inferior because it makes them match. And then she she preferentially heals her boyfriend before everybody else, which is actually the most realistic portrayal of a healer I have ever seen. And uh, I'm not saying only women do this. I'm just saying the healer in the group plays favorites. You always know when you're the healer's favorite. It's not ambiguous. I just don't nice. You you could have tanked up like you know you could be down to like one quarter HP and then you watch someone take like you know five HP damage and it's like oh do you need a healing word it's like you son of a bitch no. love me Penny and Leonard are just doing it now and it's fine yeah Penny I really like Penny's portrayal in this episode as someone who's like yes my nerdy my nerdy side piece lives next door sometimes we have sex sometimes he does nerdy stuff i take it for granted that i don't have to care about any of the nerdy stuff i think maybe the reason that their relationship has been put in the background is cuz it's pretty healthy they seem they both seem totally fine with what's happening and it's going well yes and so <laughs> the show is like yeah well they can they can walk off meanwhile amy's just going to get progressively sexually frustrated and Sheldon is going to try to keep finding coupons to get out of ever having to yeah, I give her the sex. Uh, it was well because there's a moment for Amy's well I guess her be I guess her portrayal over time is consistent it's just originally I thought the joke was that she was just a female version of Sheldon which would presumably that mean, was originally the joke which yes. would presumably mean that she had all of the same nerdy interests as Sheldon but now apparently she is as smart as Sheldon and in, as committed to science as Sheldon and maybe in some ways as socially inept as Sheldon although in a different 
along a different dimension. But she does not seem to care about anything, which plays out in again one of my what I thought was one of the better character beats in the episode because uh, she's like they're all playing their Star Trek game, and Penny's like, "No, it's Star Wars. You can't confuse Star Trek and Star Wars in front of the nerds. They get very upset." She's like, wait, what's the difference? And she goes, there's absolutely no difference. That was and pretty just good. The exasperation in her voice, uh, just, I, it's like, yeah, I think that's in many relationships between a nerdy and a non-nerdy person. That's the healthiest. It's like, I refuse, it's like, I'm never going to actually understand or care about the difference between these properties. But I understand that you care. And I will honor that enough not to misname them. But other than that, I uh, don't expect me to believe <laughs> that those are really different things. That's when I was, I was dating someone who was really big into Animal Crossing. She would ask me to buy items from my island or her island. And as someone who's not at all into Animal Crossing, I remember, like, I know enough about the game to know why each item is distinguishable from the next. But they are all completely without value to me. And I'm just like, God, I, I can't. This is the ultimate power for me to be buying different varieties of imaginary lamps ad nauseum. Just so somewhere someone can enjoy that same artificial nonsense uh, a little more than I am. Right. <sighs> anyway, else about this episode? I think we've this one's been a bit easier to to go through yes, than the last it had, couple. It had real, it had meaningful conflict. It had decent stakes. It had empathizable characters. It had multiple, uh, like you said, it did a little bit of character development on everyone in each relationship, oh. including Raj, because Raj. Gets a moment near the end where we find out he was originally the one who suggested they all hang out, and but they all seemed equally excited about it. But at the end of the episode, he sort of out of nowhere has a big meltdown after all the girls come in. He's like, hey, I'm the only one of you without a girlfriend. Am I not allowed some... Like, he makes, again, what feels like a very sympathetic and reasonable plea, which is like... I know that our lives have changed, but I just wanted one weekend where things were like how they used to be before we all had girlfriends. I didn't have to think about how I'm the last one of us to succeed socially. Can't you give me that? And everybody's like, oh yeah, I guess that's a fair request. And all the girls fuck off so he can play Star Wars with his friends. Yeah. Uh, I want more Raj. I do. I think, you know, he initially was introduced as the... Kind of secretly creepy, but obviously too talk to women guy. And they haven't done anything with any of that in a long time. And so now he's just... He is super, he has been super on the periphery, he is, hasn't he? He's just the, the, the vaguely, ever so vaguely effeminate friend that is around. Yeah. And they never do anything with him. Except, except vaguely, and you know, they can't let you forget for five seconds. Yeah, they can't do that. Uh... And, I don't know, he got, like, low-calorie beer, and everyone's like, oh, look who has the least testosterone in the room. And it's like, is this the joke we're making? That we're, we're really trying to... Br- we're, we're trying to style on Raj about his cute beer. Oh, as <sighs> long as we're... To, can I talk about... And you're right. I can't believe him. But can I talk about my favorite joke in the episode? Because Please. there was more than one that I oh, actually thought was God. funny. Oh, all right. I think that this is actually, I think, a great line. I'm not sure it's, like, a... It's not a gut buster, but I just thought it was a thoughtfully written line. It's like they're uh, they're setting up the game. And they're like, okay, we all have to be on the same side. Are we the are we the Empire and the Sith, or are we the Republic and the Jedi? And 
and and Laird's like, well, that's not really a question, is it? We're the we're the Jedi because we're always the good guys. When we play D and D, we play lawful good. When we play City of Heroes, we play the heroes. When we play Grand Theft Auto, we pay the prostitutes promptly, and we never hit them with baseball bats. That was cute. And there was a follow-up that you liked as well. There was, and one of the better follow-ups on a pretty good joke, which is, Sheldon goes, wait, those were prostitutes? You told me they were raising money for stem cell research. On that positive note, I think... Very good. We had a good time this week. Don't expect it for a while, audience. But now we switch uh, ever so abruptly to the part of the show where we recommend things that we... Uh, genuinely enjoy, or at least enjoy more so than The Big Bang Theory. I have one queued up. Oh, you're pointing at me. So, my most obvious choice, which I'm not going with, would be Shimigami Tensei Five. Having a good time with it. But instead, I uh, ended up a few nights ago watching for the first time in quite possibly like 20 years uh, the original Tim Burton Batman movie. And, uh, Oh boy, it's great. It is some like I always remember liking it, but I was worried I disliked it because I was a kid, um, and I thought it might seem like silly uh, compared to the more recent gritty like Christopher Nolan movies. Uh, no, it rules, and I was angry at Zack Snyder the whole time I was watching it <laughs> because I don't know how, but when Zack Snyder made Watchmen, he basically copied frames right out of the comic book. He had this weird strange commitment to fidelity in a way that just did not translate to film like i don't i can't explain what exactly went wrong but in spite of trying his hardest to copy exactly what was in that comic book he didn't do a good job batman while not as far as i'm aware like he copies you know stories character elements etc but no actual panels uh, and yet oh it looks so much more like comic book framing like it, it, like the just the presentation is great. Like the, the where your eyes are supposed to be focusing are where the bright colors are. You're not awash in a sea of gray trying to figure out which grisly, angry thing is more important than the other. Uh, like Gotham City is a nightmare, and then a purple clown shows up. And Kyle, you were trying to say something there. No, I don't, I'm just. Uh, I hate to. Uh, be pretentious about it, but many people, uh, Tim Burton, uh, his style is most heavily influenced by German expressionism. So all that yes. stuff you're talking about, like the narrow angle, like I love how all of the buildings are like randomly pointed and curved towards like the center of the screen. And yeah, it's all well, like they, they have these bigly black and white. They have these incredible map paintings of this just disastrous looking city. And I was reading and just like get a Wikipedia about it later, and I guess the design choice was to combine as many architectural types as possible to make the ugliest, least planned out city they can imagine. They're like, we want this city to look like it was obviously designed by crime and corruption and that there was no central wholesome organization for any of this shit. But like, you know, I I remember always liking the performances, uh, but it's just like, I don't want to go on about it. You should just watch it. It's it's like what a... comic book movie to me should be and it's like all this marvel stuff for you know going on well, now you're years gonna make now, it political i will like so much of it is focused on being so epic and like building these gigantic narratives and you're supposed to know it's the same problem i had um with like marvel and dc comic books themselves is it's so hard to enjoy like any one character or any one story 
like to get you to buy as much as possible. There's these gigantic networks of arcs that you you need if you want to fully appreciate it. But Batman is like uh it's it's a few coincidences line up well in an interesting story. And I don't really have any criticisms about it. I remember as a kid thinking it was real weird that Prince did the whole soundtrack. Now I'm like, just go for it. Who cares? Everything's fun. Prince's bat dancing. Oh, it's ah, oh, I love it. Five out of five amazings. Yeah, and I need to rewatch Batman Returns soon. Hell yeah! Which I, from what I remember, is I actually better you if you're than gonna, the yeah. original. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's even more out. It's it's more an even more complete version of that of that same vision. I will yeah. say that. Oh, also, um, something I didn't really notice is a kid though is, um, and if there's not much attention drawn to it, Batman murders so many people. He, he, you don't see them die. You don't see them die. He goes into the the Axis chemical plant. Which has plenty of goons rumbling around. He cartoonishly drops one giant spherical bomb, and then the entire planet explodes around him. Those goons—they they got out all right in in pieces, in ashes. Yeah, he's uh. a little. So as long as we're geeking out about the the, the things that I appreciate about it, um, in terms of like like I actually think it's a very well plotted and structured movie in a couple of ways. Uh, pretty, like particularly in comparison to the modern movies, it like it makes what I think is a pretty bold choice in relationship to the audience, which is it it doesn't necessarily assume that you know that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but it doesn't really care whether you know either. Like it basically it introduces Batman and it introduces Bruce Wayne, and because of the framing devices, like here are some, it's almost like at first like a mystery because you have these investigative journalists trying to figure out like what's this thing? Is it really yeah. a giant like? mythological bat monster and they don't even know like one of the big reveals in the story is that oh he's not some kind of superhero he just has body armor like because you see him get shot very early on and shrug it off yeah and of course if you're a nerd in the comics you're like well that's probably body armor but the way it's framed it's like he goes down and he gets up like a fucking vampire and you're like oh shit is, is that like a vampire monster or something well and something too that I liked about this that I think no other iteration of Batman outside of the comics that I've experienced is really captured is that it's so it's not an origin story but it's still early enough in Batman's career that goons on the street are like I heard there's an eight foot tall vampire killing people he's out there he sucks people's butt and everyone's like that's a safe like no like Betty's gone he's gone that's it and then Michael Keaton shows up and they're like who's this dude? that was the Batman like no yeah. one everyone's freaked out which was like the idea behind Batman yes it's like you meet Batman and he, he like it's not like the way Michael Keaton plays Bruce Wayne. He's no, particularly he's not scary, gritty. <laughs> he's just like he's doing his own like Batman and Bruce Wayne feel like two completely different characters, mostly because Batman doesn't talk, and then Bruce Wayne is just like a weird rich guy. Yes, and like a very eccentric, very out of touch. <laughs> he hangs upside down like a bat while he sleeps when a girl is staying over. NBD. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think my favorite. My favorite. Like, uh, there are a lot of great character choices in that, but my favorite of all of, like, acting choice that Michael Keaton makes in that movie, and I guess it's also in the script that they have them meet this way, is the first time Bruce Wayne meets the Joker, he's Bruce Wayne, and the Joker has, I mean, he's met, 
He's met uh, Jack Napier. Batman has met Jack Napier, yes. but he hasn't met the Joker yet. And so when the Joker first shows up on like the steps of City Hall or something, he's he's murdering somebody in broad daylight. Yes. And just as he does this, he just happens to pass Bruce Wayne on the street. And the look that Michael Keaton gives him when they like it's look face to face, it's not like, oh my god, a horrifying clown monster, or like, or even like a vengeful I I don't know who you are, but I swear I'll be you. It's like, huh. He's fascinated. That's kind of weird. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's a neat neat thing that you're doing. Tell me more about this. I can't even remember why specifically he was going to City Hall in the scene. But yeah, he's there. And it's it's so great, too, because you can tell how um, even though he's out as Bruce Wayne, he's very obviously different from anyone else in the crowd. People are, like, panicking and fleeing. And he's standing there just, like, stunned, like... I guess it's a good thing I decided to do this. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's gonna be around. Like it's, almost, it's like I swear to God, I the vibe I was. It's like is this is this a sex thing for you too? Because this <laughs> yeah, is there's no way that it's just one of us that has this feeling, right? Like this is like I haven't had this feeling before, and so I can't. I don't know if it's normal or not, but it's not just me, right? Right? Like let's... so anyway. Yes, ten out of ten. Yeah, uh, fantastic. I'm, movie. I'm going with. Uh, Batman. Now I have to watch Batman Returns. Oh. I, was, I was a very spoiled six-year-old uh, when that came out. Didn't know how good I had it. So, um, so my recommendation, uh, since Nick, Nick picked, I was going to pick this anyway, but it's nice. Nick picked something I could weigh in on. I'm going to pick something I made Nick watch yesterday, which is a, a pretty fun YouTube oh. video that is by a guy that I've... I don't know anything. He seems like some weird like chaotic elf person i don't really like it's he's such a classic zennial yeah he's such manic a, non-binary fast talking fun bag yeah it's like i feel so out of my depth watching this person do whatever however he thinks about what he does but it's cj the x cj the x i've watched several of his videos and i think i've watched basically all of them and he goes on these incredibly long sophisticated philosophical manic deep dives into just random pop culture things so technically they're video essays but they're video essays delivered as one incredibly long like i'm sure he plans them out but they just feel like you're watching someone like you know sitting and drinking and just having an out-of-body experience while they just you know talk manically for hours about something which i'm sure i do to people all the time but i don't think i do it so eloquently or hypnotically and so I first I first really got into him after he did a he did a very philosophical deep dive into uh, Bo Burnham's Inside, which offered me a lot of insight into the piece that I hadn't had before. So I was excited. He dropped a new video on everybody's favorite pop culture phenomenon, Rick and Morty. And so I do think basically it's an hour and forty five minutes of him talking about Rick and Morty. At no point does he ever really slow down. Yeah, no breaths are taken. Yes. <laughs> Intercut with clips from the show, basically just explaining sort of as a single coherent thesis statement what the show really is thematically, what it represents, what the different tensions are within the show. Just making some very, uh, very complex points about the philosophy. Not... This is, I guess, this is what I like about. I mean, I like Rick and Morty, and I like many people because of the fandom. I'm embarrassed yeah. to like Rick and Morty, and I'm well, embarrassed. I also CJX had one excellent throwaway line about that, though, which is, if you don't like Rick and Morty, you're honestly pretty annoying. Yes, or, or you're at least a little annoying because, yes. yeah, it has a like toxic fan base, but it's a great show. It's yes. get over it. So anyway, um, so anyway, 
yeah, I do think it's a great show, and I think it's clever. And he basically unspools uh, many of the things that make it clever and great as a long term. I think my favorite is he shows how uh, Rick's commitment or his phobia of serialization and his commitment to episodic humor, which the show itself as a, as a structure shares, is actually symptomatic of certain uh a certain sense of his own character which is he he doesn't want to admit that any of his actions have consequence in the universe so his own resistance to like having a character arc is itself a form of his like his imposing his selfish nihilistic will on the universe in the face of reality which is of course your relationships will eventually you know affect the people around you and will come back to affect how you see yourself so serialization is to some extent inevitable in real life and Rick is smart enough to know that and his insistence on treating his life like a TV show shows that he is being solipsistic and uh, deliberately spinning in the face of that. It was fun. It was, it was really fun. <laughs> we, I sat down I was like, I'm, you're, there's no way we're going to watch this whole hour, 45 minute thing. We'll just watch a little of it. You'll, you'll sort of get the jam and you can watch it. We ended up watching the whole thing. It was yeah. pretty good. Well, I may have to uh, turn around and make you watch uh, this hour long. Uh, our surprise dual recommendation, The Matrix Resurrections. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, we'll get into that right now, but I, I found a kindred spirit in Kyle as someone who also hated it, so... But that's for another time. Watch it, nerds. Watch it just to support... I don't know, Warner Brothers? <laughs> who gives a shit? Yeah, we're gonna... Let's end on something positive here. Yeah, I really... It was going so great, and then I had to nosedive it at the end there. How do we bring this back up again? Uh... Uh, I found all 50 of the little hidden guys in the first zone of Shin Megami Tensei. So you're obviously... Is it true that the plot of Dark City is basically the plot of The Matrix just done more in a different style? It's been so long since I've seen Dark City, but I the, the very similar themes that the city itself is a a mental construction that is this kind of repeating itself. But I can't remember the, the reason it exists. I know that, yeah, Dark City is not itself a city, and the reason it keeps shifting around is that there are these entities uh, controlling it who are able to psychically shift it while the actual inhabitants are just trapped in some sort of meaningless... But yeah, I don't know. I guess, looking back, not remembering as much about Dark City as I thought I uh, should be able to, I missed out on some real cool sex. What are you going to do? Look at there. <laughs>